0: Let us come to this word, open to being surprised. Silence our agendas, banish our assumptions, cast out our casual detachment. Confound our expectations, clear the cobwebs from our ears. Penetrate the corners of our hearts with this word. We know that you can, we pray that you will, and we wait with great anticipation. Amen. Today's New Testament reading is from 1 Timothy 2 1 through 7. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. And today's gospel reading is from Luke 16, 1-13. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, 100 A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write thee. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of life. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks
1: be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Friday night, there was an incident at the gas station about a mile down the hill from my house. Um, Two black women were pumping gas, and there was some sort of issue with the pump in which it didn't shut off the way that it was supposed to resulting in an overcharge on um, their their gas. So they went inside to ask for a refund for the overcharge that resulted from the broken pump. Um, To my knowledge, the security footage from inside the gas station hasn't been released to anyone but the police and the district attorney just yet. But um, the owner and the employees of the gas station refused the request. And the situation escalated. um, And by late Friday night, there was cell phone video circulating all over the internet of four men, employees and owners of the gas station, um, dragging the women out and beating them up while people stood by and watched. And people are very upset about this incident. Rightfully so. They are very upset about this incident. Uh, These women are part of two, um, two vulnerable populations of people, um, both due to their race and their gender, and uh, there's no call for that sort of public beating of any person in any place. So by yesterday morning, there were protesters at the gas station, as well as a second station that's owned by the same proprietor in another location. The protests were loud, but they were peaceful. I was, I was there off and on throughout the day, um, checking in with the officers as a police chaplain, and uh, they were peaceful, it was pretty quiet. Um, the goal was to keep these gas stations from opening up for business for the day, and to call for the arrests of the men who were involved in the beating. Because the police didn't get to the scene until after the fight broke up, they were unable to arrest anyone at the time. And um, a, lot of, a lot of them spent, the officers spent their time yesterday explaining that to people that there is a method with which charges can be brought, the way that you can arrest people. Um, and so charges have been filed, the district attorney is involved, but no arrest has been made yet. Um, that's the way that our system works, for better or for worse. Here's where this gets even more complicated. Most of the protests were simply asking for justice for these two women of color who were beaten up by four violently angry men outside of a gas station. That is totally reasonable. That is a reason to speak up and to let your voice be heard. It is reasonable and I would argue it is right to get out there and encourage people not to patronize businesses owned by someone who would do such a thing. But I read online yesterday and heard in person multiple comments about sending them back, them referring to the business owners who are immigrants. They are of Indian uh, heritage and, uh, that's, and have come here. And so this is not a helpful manner of protest or speech because it just responds to hate with a different kind of hate. And I get it, it's easy to say stuff like that in the heat of the moment, but it points to just how crazy complicated this whole situation is. It is really messy and really complicated. So on top of race and gender issues and a system that does not always work in ways that feel just, we sprinkle on top the touchy issue of immigration. It's really difficult stuff to deal with. So, While we're looking at and thinking about complicated situations in the world around us, let's just dive right into this parable from Luke. This is what clergy all over refer to as the hardest one to preach on, because it doesn't make a lot of sense. It feels like Jesus is at best recommending shrewd behavior, which means slightly shady, and at worst advocating dishonesty in order to stick it to the man. Who is the good guy? in this parable. I think most of us would eliminate the manager pretty quickly as being the good guy in this passage. He's been dishonest in some way or has mismanaged in some way and got fired for it. So then he goes and slashes debts to keep relationships with tenants who don't seem to know yet that he's been fired some say, uh, commentators, say that he's collecting from tenants that wouldn't have paid otherwise, and that's what gets the big boss's attention. Some say he's being dishonest to the tenants who don't know he's been fired yet so that the big boss can't really fire him without losing the support of those tenants as well. Some say he's giving up his share of the money in order to get back into everyone's good graces. And some say he's just really doing this to try and screw over the boss. Regardless, this guy is shady. But so is the boss. It isn't clear if he gives this guy his job back or not, but at the end, he commends the manager for his shrewdness. He's giving props to this guy for his shady dealings. And let's not let the tenants entirely off the hook, because they jump at the chance to pay only half their debts without questioning what this manager is up to. If something seems too good to be true, it probably is. So absolutely everyone in this story has bought into the corruption of the world. And Jesus closes with, you can't serve two masters, you can't serve both God and money Mic drop. He doesn't say who in this parable was serving both. Because it was everyone. Everyone was trying to serve both the corruption in the world and God. So what do you do when the world around you is corrupt and broken and unjust and complicated? You start off by praying. The author of 1 Timothy says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. He is not saying this because the government was a bunch of good guys looking out for their best interest. The Christian church at this point was coming under some very heavy pressure. Persecution and the government was corrupt and unjust. And the prayer here is prayed with the purpose that everyone will be able to live with peace and with dignity. Now, sometimes this passage has been used as a justification for the idea that civic leaders have some sort of holy standing or special place in God's eyes that we need to care about. That is not what the author is saying here. He's saying, those guys that are treating you like garbage, they are God's children too. So pray for them because God wants them to know peace and dignity as well. They too fall prey to the corrupt systems of the world and get caught up in the machinery of injustice. And here's what happens when you pray for someone, like really Pray for them, not just, yeah, I'll pray for you and then move on, but truly pray for someone. It gets harder and harder to hate them. It gets harder and harder to hold on to anger. The antidote to hate is prayer, because when you are truly, genuinely praying for someone, you are forced to remember your connection to them and the ways that they too are caught up in a corrupt world that chews up and spits out everyone. In his homily on 1 Timothy, John Chrysostom says, No one can feel hatred toward those for whom he prays. You can feel they're wrong. You can disagree with them. But that's very different than hatred. At the presbytery meeting on Thursday, Sheldon Sorgas said in his sermon that our nation's polarization is not only present in the church, it is in many ways magnified. We're very good at praying about those we consider adversaries. We enjoy praying against those we consider adversaries. But we don't like to do as we are called in 1 Timothy and pray for them, let alone pray with them. So what do we do with complicated situations like the gas station or the corrupt manager or governments and systems that don't do justice for all people? really kind of depends on where you're at in the story. If you're the marginalized tenants, the ones who aren't treated fairly and are being held down by a broken and unjust system, speak out because the world needs to hear your voice. And pray for those who are running that system so that all of us together might figure out the paths to peace and dignity for all. We all need Jesus, friends, even them. And pray for those who aren't held down by the system in the same way you are, but who aren't in charge of it either. It can feel like a hopeless place when you're a cog in a machine way bigger than yourself. Extend grace to those who are also caught up in the system and often don't realize how unjust and broken it is. If you are the manager, part of the system but not in charge, benefiting from the system maybe in ways that others can't, Listen. Listen to those who are trying to make their voice heard. Hear their stories. Get to know them. Before just complaining about how inconvenient it is that a lane of the road is closed or that you can't go to a particular gas station, really hear the lament of those who are standing outside with their picket signs. Maybe even try standing with them every once in a while. Pray for those who are being beaten down by a system that doesn't work well for everyone. Pray that they would have the strength to continue sharing their story and their voice. Pray for those who are making decisions that affect the well-being of people they don't know. Not because we owe them anything by virtue of elected office, but so that we can all be afforded lives of peace and dignity. And I don't think we have any big-name global leaders in our midst this morning. But if we did, I would say to those big bosses out there, Y'all need Jesus just as much as us regular folk. So humble yourselves to pray for those around you and to listen to God's word about compassion and justice for all. Help us fix this broken world. Thank God for Jesus, that mediator in this complicated, sinful, broken world when we feel overwhelmed by the corruption and the hardship and the meanness in the world, thank God we have a mediator in Jesus. Amen.